So uh, I want to welcome my special guest here, Miss Latia Holly. Thank you so much for coming on Captain Hunter's podcast. I really, really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. All right. Uh, so you and I uh, met at a vegan restaurant here in Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, so you do the, the plant-based thing. I do that as well. So tell us about your, your journey into that. My journey. So it has been a long, uh, very slow transitional journey to be where I am now. I've been officially vegan for about three years, you know, helping at working at the restaurant has helped and a lot of personal exploration, but I started the journey towards becoming plant-based in 2007 by slowly eliminating meat, starting with red meat. I never grew up eating pork, so that one wasn't really an issue, but I gave up red meat in 2007 and for many years I just ate a little bit, I tried to eat a little bit cleaner, just turkey, chicken, and fish. And then eventually that didn't feel good to me anymore. And I got rid of that and I was pescatarian. And then I experiment a little bit with doing like the Daniel fast, which is a biblical plant-based fast. Uh, I would do that. I'd kind of play around with veganism. I was really starting to dabble um, over that time. But uh, I would say the last three years, it has been a sustainable and everyday lifestyle change for me and i feel better than i ever have nice 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 uh so you work at a at a, at a restaurant um and and so you're you're helping other people you're encouraging other people to to embrace this lifestyle as well right absolutely and now yes. you it, you did it for um was it ethical reasons or just you, you just weren't feeling well I was struggling with many um, stomach and digestional issues myself. And it was kind of a, let me see if I eliminate these things, will I start to feel better? And I did. I ended up having gallbladder surgery in September of 2016. And from that point on, I said I was never eating meat again. And so that was when I was really full vegetarian and then eventually became uh, vegan. So it was a lot of health. And then I started to feel kind of the spiritual benefits of being plant-based and the mental clarity and the energy level um, changes and shifts and just started to feel better in my being and in my body and who I was as a person. I just started to feel better about myself. And I attributed a lot of it to the lifestyle and eating better and eating fruits and vegetables and feeling clean on the inside and i think that cleaned up a lot of the things that were on the inside of my my mind as well yeah that's interesting I, i've heard people people talk about the mental clarity and everything i, I think my mind could be a little bit clear but i'm only a, i'm only a year in my journey uh <laughs> so you um the gallbladder issues did they being i mean doctors did they tell you that i mean they won't tell you this but did you how did you attribute that how did you come to the place where you know what i got just these issues these medical issues going on how did you attribute that to saying okay maybe i need to start do a plant-based diet how did that link get there? well with that i was having stomach issues for i would say about a year and no one could really tell me what was wrong with me and one, one day it got to the point of like excruciating pain. I went to the hospital and they basically said, okay, we're gonna admit you and do emergency surgery tomorrow. So I really didn't have a voice or a lot of choice in like my care or uh, ways that I could have maybe resolved the issue naturally by changing my lifestyle. I had been kind of experimenting with it and had my curiosities about it, but I hadn't fully launched into it. So after they rushed and did the emergency surgery, it was from that point that I, I felt and I knew that I had to take my health into my own hands and be the person that was, um, you know, driving my life in that regard. And so that I wouldn't be in that situation again, where they're telling you the only option is to cut you open. Mm -hmm. well, I can definitely identify with that. Uh, you talked about um, the, some of the spirituality, um, uh, the Daniel fast. Uh, was that a was that a driving factor um, b before the gallbladder surgery, or or how did you come along to Daniel fast? Did you grow up in the church, or so I did. I grew up in the church. Um, 
it was something that my church did every year around New Year's. And it was something that I was kind of introduced to then during my childhood, but I hadn't really applied it to myself and to my own life until after I had moved away and I was in college, I was in my own apartment and I'm like, okay, I can cook my own food. I am responsible for what I eat and I'm not living at my, I'm not living at home anymore. So this is something that I can do um, myself and I'll have some control over it. And it really was just uh, started as a personal challenge for me. Um, it wasn't all about the spiritual aspects of it at first, um, but the more I did it, I made a tradition out of doing it uh, twice a year from that point. So I would do it in the very beginning, like right after the first of the year. And then I would do it again, like towards the end, so like what we're going into the fourth quarter of the year. So like around fall, I started doing it again. And then educating myself along the way. So you started tapping into some of the documentaries. I started tapping into some of the books that are about a vegan lifestyle, plant-based lifestyle, and some of the benefits of it. And I just started exploring it from there. So the spiritual aspect wasn't necessarily the first driving factor. It was kind of the introduction, um, but that kind of uh, snowballed into my own exploration into other things spiritually. And I started, uh, meditating and uh that helped me a lot with my anxiety so my my spiritual path was not linear i kind of kind of tapped into a bunch of different things but it was definitely uh influenced by the change in my eating habits and a change in the lifestyle mm. how did your family take to that because uh yeah how does your family take to it sometimes people will be very skeptical or hesitant <laughs> So after, so my parents, they, they used to do the fast. So they would do it with their church. Uh, the what first type year. of church was that? They used to do it for a couple of weeks and then they wouldn't think about it, you know, ever again after that. Um, so when I started eliminating things and eliminating meat and I only wanted to eat um, certain foods, I think they were, they were a little bit skeptical. You know, growing up in a black family, there are certain foods that are uh, a part of our culture and just a part of our everyday lifestyle. They're a part of our traditions. They're a part of our family history with the way that we eat and the way that we grew up. So that wasn't like an easy adjustment at first. Thank goodness my dad was an incredible cook. So he took it as a challenge to be able to make things that I could eat. Um, so that wasn't too much of a problem because he could really cook anything. I just had to educate him a little bit more on, okay, don't use butter for this. And uh, there are better cooking oils to use or um, you got to switch out the broth. So no more chicken broth. Like let's bring in the vegetable broth or the vegetable base. So it was a little bit of education, but he took to it um, because he loved to cook and that was the way he showed love. So he wanted to make sure that I didn't miss out on anything. And he kind of learned to make things that I could eat. And then it became a bonding thing for the two of us because then we would uh, cook together and then share the responsibilities of the cooking so that everything that was prepared was something that I could enjoy and that we could enjoy as a family. Very nice, very nice. Um... So he took to it. How, how about the rest of the family? Cousins? Oh, they, they're just skeptical. And a lot of times <laughs> I, I got off a little bit easy because at that time I was living in another state from the rest of my family. So like the big family gatherings where I would have gotten a lot of that flack from like my uncles and my cousins, my aunts and like more of my extended family. I wasn't uh, present for a lot of those um, interactions as much just by way of me living somewhere else. So I got off a little bit easier <laughs> than other people have. Uh, so I was able to escape some of the jokes, but I'm not immune to them. You know, whenever those gatherings do happen and I am with my extended family, a lot of them, they haven't been too hostile though. So I, sh I am pretty lucky. Several of them have had their curiosities. Like for instance, my first cousin, he and I grew up together, almost like brother and sister. He comes over to my house and eats vegan food all the time. So his eyes have been opened and he knows how good it is. And he doesn't have like that closed mindedness about it because he is at least open to tasting things and he's able to vouch for it being uh, sustainable and that the food is actually good. 
So it's it's been good that I have like a little bit of backup. I have my cousin and I have my mom who eats vegan because that's what I um, cook for us at home. So I kind of have two people that are there to support me and uh, defend me <laughs> in those situations where I'm with the rest of the family. So you're so in your inner your not your extended you're in. I don't even know what the other word is. <laughs> you're, you're closer knit family. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're all vegan as well. They're, they're all doing the plant. None of them are vegan, but oh, okay. They I cook a lot, and I cook a lot for um my my immediate family. So they've been exposed to it because I haven't given them a choice. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's the way I cook, and that's what we're eating. So right, right, right. They have that exposure to it and they've gotten to try things. And uh, a couple of times I've taken them to vegan restaurants. So, you know, they have a little bit of exposure, uh, but they're not vegan. I'm the only vegan in my family. Okay. So you weren't able to convince them, even though your father was doing, you and your father had the bonding experience, weren't able to, to talk him to talk no, him over he, to the dark side. Huh? It, he ended up <laughs> passing away four years ago. Actually, this year will be five years. Um, so that was part of the that was part of the journey that solidified the change in lifestyle for me was losing my dad. You know, he was relatively young. He was only 63 years old. He had a chronic illness that he um, had known about and had been diagnosed with from a really young age. And um, a lot of uh, what he went through with that illness was he kind of became like an experiment because doctors didn't know what to prescribe or how to treat this. So he was the person that, you know, was given different drugs and different prescriptions and they're just trying things out to see, you know, if it would help or, um, you know, they knew that there was no known cure for this illness, but they, you know, tried different treatments. And so us losing my dad and him being so um, active and vital and healthy, um, pretty much all my life, even living with this chronic illness and for us to lose him as quickly as we did, um, and to watch that and that experience that we had um, with him essentially dying, that was, you know, like the nail in the coffin for me with the lifestyle change and feeling like I am making the right decision for myself. And if I can educate the rest of my family, even if it's just by leading by example, that's what I'm going to do. So that was a lot of the motivation behind why I'm sticking with uh being plant-based and living a holistic lifestyle. Mm. You know, I'm sorry about your about your loss. Thank um, you. But yeah, it, it, it does take, un unfortunately, a lot of times it does take these types of traumatic events to really kind of shake us. That was the case for me. I mean, people hear this all the time, eat better, eat better, mm -hmm. vegetarianism, veganism, et cetera, et cetera. And it really takes some, some type of traumatic event either to yourself or to a loved one for us to say, oh man, you know, I really need to start doing better. And I wish that the human species was not like that, right? We could just kind of just listen, you know? Right. I think that you said it, you're, you're setting a good example. Maybe your little smaller cousins and nieces, nephews, et cetera, can look at this and say, you know, we can do this. And if you're cooking for them and, you know, following your, your dad's techniques, you know, the food is actually good. And when I've I've made it for people. They're like, man, I didn't know we could eat this, right? I just thought you guys just ate salads all day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I don't want no salad. I'm a man, you know? <laughs> you know? So it, it's really, it's really, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Um, has anyone, uh, have any of your friends decided to go that way or try it out or really thinking about it, leaning that way? I have a few friends that are trying it out. They're not 100% there yet, but in meeting me and like you said with cooking certain things and them trying it and just having that exposure and like oh this is really good i didn't know that vegans could eat this way or that the food was so flavorful or that it was a lot like cooking other things um so i have i have made that impact i haven't converted anyone yet fully but that that is still on my agenda it's on my too and i i rubbed off on a few people but i mean people just quite can't quite get there yet right yeah. they just can't get there right they they can't give up the butter uh they can't give up the cheese they can't yeah. give up you know the, the the holidays and all that you know you have to it, it's a struggle and i think for us in our people it's like so much a part of our traditions it's mm -hmm. so interwoven into our beings and who we are and who how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive our family i think that people are a little bit resistant in letting that go and 
I think some of them are a, a little nervous or they don't want to be the brunt of jokes or like ridicule or being uh, interrogated about their eating habits. Whereas I was just like, no, nope, this is what I'm doing. And I really wasn't phased by that. But I think that is kind of a, a, a point of hesitation for some people. I think that, uh, yeah, for some reason, they think you're weak and sickly and, and uh, down in the dumps and depressed. And it's the yeah. exact opposite. You know, you right. feel much better. You know, right. so, so I can run. I can uh, I feel so much. I feel so much better. So. Yeah. Uh, so you also have a have a business. This is really really wanted to talk to you about. You have a a, a business uh, yeah. doing the holistic lifestyle type of thing, right? Yes. I can do. you talk to us about that? So it's called Fruitful Ascension Wellness. It is still in I would say the early stages of my business. I've been operating it uh, officially for about a year, and then unofficially for about uh, a year and a half. So I I ended up creating this business by accident. So uh, summer of 2020, I hosted a plant-based summer soiree at my home, and it was for my closest friends and family, and I prepared an entire spread of soul food vegan cuisine. So I did uh, fried oyster mushrooms, we had black eyed peas, we had collard greens, I had some yummy, delicious sweet potatoes. I did some vegan desserts and I made uh, a couple of beverages to complement the meal. I made like a delicious peach green tea and then I did a hibiscus ginger lemonade. And those beverages ended up being like a great addition to the meal. And after that party, I started getting inquiries about the drinks from that day. And people are like, can you make me that tea that you made at the party? Can you make me that lemonade? And I'm like, well, I don't. They're like, do you sell this? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't, but I can. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I made it for a few people, like just close friends and family. And they started posting them on their Facebook and other. it started to pick up a little bit of traction of people like, oh, I want to try that. Or, oh, can I get one of those? And from then my creative mind just like really opened up and I'm like, Ooh, what else can I create? And I really got in my kitchen and, and let myself be led by my intuition and started putting things together and creating other flavors. And now I have over 20 flavor offerings of handcrafted teas and lemonades using healthful ingredients like herbs. I use elderberry a lot. I incorporate fresh elements as well as dried herbs. So that is kind of what sets me apart from other traditional, just like bottled iced teas or other traditional um, beverages that you can just purchase at the store. So um, I make my own syrups to create uh, lemonades, different flavored teas and uh, healing tonics. So I make those, everything is made to order. And I do have like a, a, a good business, a good base of people that order them from me regularly. And then I'm expanding my offerings to um, loose herbal teas and custom creating them for people depending on what they're trying to achieve. So if they need things to cleanse their blood, if they're looking for something that's going to be a mild um, detoxifying properties, I can create that. I've created a a nursing tea for a friend of mine who just had a baby and she's breastfeeding. So I created a tea for her to drink um, to help with her milk production. I created a womb nourishing tea. Um, so my offerings are expanding. So that is one uh, aspect of my business is the handcrafted beverages line, but I also host uh, pop-up wellness events. So those include typically events that are uh, yoga and meditation focused. Uh, where we also enjoy um, delicious plant-based cuisine and my beverages during the events as well. Uh, right now, I have been mostly focused on women's healing spaces. I have a partner. Um, I call her my sister in healing. Her name's L'Oreal Keys. She's awesome. She's actually the first black midwife in this uh, first black home birth midwife in the state of Connecticut. Her and I have joined forces uh, to create healing spaces for. Um, women here in Connecticut and we meet every first Friday of the month um, to just hold space for other women and to connect with our own bodies and just have a night of self-care and reflection and um, a night where you can intentionally pour into yourself and be in a space with other people that are trying to heal and that are on a similar journey. 
Wow. Okay. So that was a mouthful there. So your <laughs> your uh, let's talk about the teas. You, you yeah. make the you make these up. I mean, you make it with fresh dried yeah. herbs. Uh, yeah. Did you know about the? You had to research the healing compounds of it. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah. So a lot of them, I am learning as I go and studying uh, herbalism and learning about the different healing properties of different herbs. There's an apothecary that I visit where I source the herbs from, and then I bring them home and then I mix them and create different blends based on, sometimes it's based on flavor alone, what I think is going to taste good, if that is what I'm after. And then other times it's for specific healing properties. So that's why I do have so many offerings because I have something literally for everybody. Sometimes people just want a clean tea that they know doesn't have any preservatives or uh, chemicals in it. So I make something that's just a yummy, delicious peach green tea. Uh, and I have is the shelf life of that very shortened because it doesn't have the preservatives? I mean, you got to, you got to, if I get this tea, I got to drink it in a week, right? Or, or, yeah, or it usually lasts about a week to a week and a half if you keep okay. it in the fridge. Okay. Um, the shelf life is surprisingly good. And I do experiment with it on my own. I make teas for myself at home and I keep them in the fridge and then I taste them after you know, a week or two and see if they're still good. So a lot of it is trial and error with my own product testing as well. But yeah, everything is handcrafted and made to order. So like when you go on my website and place an order, I pretty much make it for you within that day or two. And it's made specifically for you. And um, by, you know, by you, by making it specific to, to a person, Mm -hmm. uh, you, you ask them what they want. I mean, mood stabilizers or, or health or stomach issues. So I have a list of flavors with the descriptions that are already there. So a lot of times people are just choosing from the list based on um, the descriptions that I've given um, of the ingredients of that tea. So I have one, for instance, called lemongrass ginger. So they know that ginger is a strong anti-inflammatory that um, lemongrass has a lot of um, antiviral and antimicrobial properties. So they may choose that just based on the description. But I also do customized blends where, uh, for instance, someone said, I need an anti-anxiety tea. I need something that I can drink off of when I'm feeling anxious or feeling overwhelmed. So I created something using a blend of herbs for that specific need. Very good. Yeah. So you, you, I think this is where we, you and I were really kind of talking about um, the thing you do once a month and I, you, yeah. you have it with a partner. I didn't, you might've told me that you had it with a partner and that partner is the first black midwife in the Connecticut? First black home birth midwife in the state of Connecticut. So she does um, not hospital birth, so harm birth. So either at someone's home or at a birthing center, but she is the first black home birth midwife in Connecticut. She's also a certified yoga teacher and she just has years of experience and knowledge. And so the fact that we were able to join forces and combine our offerings has been really great. And we've been able to slowly build a community space for healing. Um, she leads our meditations and she leads us through really amazing um, yogic flows and yoga practices that we do together. And it's typically um, very mindfully um, curated and created. Usually the two of us will sit and talk about a particular either area of the body or particular um, like topic that we want to cover in the circle aspect of the gathering and she will tailor the yoga practice to that. So say we're focusing on um, our heart space and healing our heart space. She will um, craft a yoga practice to focus on that area of the body and healing our heart spaces. Sometimes it's about healing our wombs. Um, so I'll create a tea. I usually curate the meal around that. Um, so these events are very mindfully created and beautifully curated depending on what it is that we're focusing on. Mm. I definitely like to talk to her. <laughs> uh, amazing and yeah. we are each other's like biggest cheerleaders um but the two of us together what we've created is some real magic so well count me amongst you know, the cheerleaders is that is is the sessions there just for women on yeah. and you do so it post one every first friday that is a women's only space um but we the two of us do recognize that there is a, a desire and a need for co-ed spaces so that is in the works 
we're hoping to bring some of that to the forefront this year in 2022, where we can host some spaces where both men and women can come and we can do some collective healing together. Um, the conversation piece, I think, is the most important. Um, we do that at the end of our night um, together for our women's circle. So typically how the night will go is we'll come in, we'll do yoga, we'll get led through the meditation, and then I explain what the meal is and what I've prepared for everybody. We'll get our tea, we'll get our plate, and then we kind of sit together in a circle and we eat and we chat amongst ourselves. And then uh, once- Is that all, that's all vegan? That's all vegan? 100% plant-based, yeah. Okay. Yeah, every time. It's always 100% vegan. Okay. And then uh, at the end, we kind of take that time to talk as a collective. Sometimes her and I will prepare talking points ahead of time where we'll have some things in a jar where we can pull from to kind of get the conversation started. Or sometimes we open the floor up to the women that have come to attend because they might have come for a particular reason or are feeling um, something heavier in their heart and or in their spirit that they want to talk to um, us about. So we kind of just let the evening flow that way and um, see what's needed and hold space for whatever is needed um, at that time. You know, growing up, what what, I think, what type of churches you grew up in? I grew up in an AME Zion church. So very okay. uh, traditional um, Black church. It actually has a lot of history in Middletown where I'm from. It was, um, I believe, the first Black church. It was part of, um, I know, like some of the Underground Railroad history. So I grew up in a church that was very traditional, very old school. Um, and that that's kind of a large part of my upbringing. Like we went regularly, my mom and I, and eventually my dad got into the church as well. He wasn't always a part of it from the beginning, but eventually uh, he started going as well. And and I and I I don't um, going to church every week is not part of my spiritual practice anymore, but it is um, ingrained in me and is a large part of. Um, I would say what guides me and what motivates me to create um, healing spaces and and holding space for people and and. Do you think that there's a Do you think that there's a conflict between uh, the more traditional type of churches and the uh, more spiritual, holistic type of thing that you're that you're talking about now? There is. And yeah, yeah, that has been something yeah. that I have. I think gone back and forth. I want. I don't want to put the word struggle to it. But that has definitely been an inner, I would say, maybe conflict a little bit for me. I am different than, I would say, a lot of the people that I grew up with or the way my parents had initially um, brought me up to be. But, you know, they've given me that grace and that freedom to be who I am. And the most important part for me is just having that direct connection with God, like feeling like I have that that connection to source, to 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 God directly and making sure that I maintain that relationship, even if um, my practices or my spiritual everyday um like I said, practices are a little bit different than the way I initially grew up. That that is still in the foundation of who I am and how I how I operate and how I live my life. So I, I asked about that because um, you know, in my church that we grew up in, we had what we call testimony service, right? We mm -hmm. went to church every Tuesdays. Yep. Tuesdays and Friday, we would have, you know, part, <laughs> yep. part of the service was testimony service where you're supposed to tell. So I'm asking about that because I want to know, you know, during your first Fridays. Um, do you guys have that type of uh, t testimony where people talk about, yeah, you know, I started on this vegan journey or started on this holistic journey and my life has increased or gotten better because of this journey that I'm on. Is there any type of testimony that goes on that you can see the difference? Um, so for the space, not everyone is 100% vegan. We do get a lot of vegans that come because obviously they they see you on the flyer and they're drawn to, um, ooh, there's going to be vegan food there. Ooh, there's a space that I can go to and feel comfortable in and know that I can enjoy all the food there. Because sometimes I think um, there is a community, there are community spaces or there might be uh, women's circles 
um, you know, held and facilitated by other people, but they might have that hesitation because um, of their diet choices or their lifestyle choices. So not everyone in this space is um, vegan, but we do get a lot of people that have that curiosity. And um, well, even just the meditative practices, I mean, are people saying that they're clear or they uh, you talk about the heart space healing. Are they doing better with that? Are they doing oh, yeah. better if they're dealing with anger issues? Are they just doing better? Just just definitely, definitely. Yeah. And we've even seen that um, growth and hearing a little bit of that testimony of people that have just been coming to our spaces. And her mm -hmm. and I have only had this space since uh, July of last year. So we're still a baby and doing it. And we haven't even hit our one year mark of hosting this space. But we guess we already have people that are attending regularly that tell us that this is their favorite day of every month and they look forward to the first Friday and coming and having a space where they can feel good about themselves and embrace the practice or sometimes it's their only time where they will sit and take time to meditate or have peaceful moments to themselves or they get caught up in their everyday uh, running around in everyday life and they know that they can come to this space and have peace and have um, a meditative practice and how much they look forward to it and how it's improved their life overall. So yeah, we definitely get a little bit of that testimony service um, kind of feel to it where they just um, have embraced us and embraced the space that we've created and how much it has helped them um, feel community and feel a sense of sisterhood too are the majority of these people people of color black people uh, it's a or... mix so her and i created the space with black women and women of color in mind um but we are not exclusive to that so we welcome all who would like to attend but a lot of um you know, the motivation and um, the focus behind what we're doing is geared towards women of color and things that we need and the type of healing that we would most benefit from. Um, but others are able to attend and get in where they fit in. But I, I think for people that know and that come, they, they feel it and they see it. It is a very uh, black space with the music that we play and the food that I prepare and uh, just the vibes overall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about the pushback, you know I mean, from, from family, from friends, from church people? I mean, are they saying this is necessary or all you need is, and I don't mean to be flipping about this, but all you need is Jesus. Uh, you know, you don't have to do the whole vegan thing. You know, these herbs aren't working. I mean, do, do you get a lot of pushback or, you know, because, yeah, well, let's start with that. Let's start with that. So not as much anymore. I think that was a, a larger concern for me, like when I was in my 20s and I was first starting to experiment with the change in lifestyle and going vegan and being plant-based and exploring different avenues of spirituality and learning meditation and things like that. I think for me, um, with my personal journey, I struggled with depression and anxiety for a long time. And even being a part of a church community and going to church regularly, I still just didn't feel like I was totally, I never, I never fully felt good. Like I never, I, I felt like I was going every week and like praying and crying and just not feeling, um, like I was getting better. And it wasn't until I started, um, I think, exploring other avenues and exploring meditation and uh, a natural lifestyle and using nature um, to improve my overall well-being. The proof was in the pudding for me. And I did. I, I never felt like I had to totally abandon church or disassociate or denounce or totally, um, you know, like cut off that part of like my history or my upbringing. But I was still able to embrace these other things and these other methods and just do what worked for me. And I think the fact that I started exploring that in my 20s, um, now that I'm in my 30s, I have the confidence to say I do what works for me. Um, I still have a personal relationship with God and that is what is most important to me. Um, if for everyone, it's not always about going to church every week and uh, going to the altar for prayer and you'll just feel better. That wasn't the case for me. So I think 
all those experiences um, kind of led up to where I am now, where I can have the confidence to kind of defend myself in that way, um, where I can say, you know what, these other things helped me and that's okay. Yeah. Um, you can do what feels good for you and wherever you are on your spiritual journey, do what feels good. Um, I'm going to do what feels good for me. Um, and there's a, there's a, a great, uh, hesitation. Um, it's a hesitation, the word I want to use. There's a great discomfort, uh, where people, you know, don't want to give up. You know, we have been conditioned to, to accept the medical sciences, right? As you mentioned, the gallbladder surgery, right? Do this. And if it doesn't work, we got to rip your gallbladder out or transplants or this or that medications. It's got to be so... And I, listen, I, I was there too. I, I don't know if I told you, but I've certainly told my audience before I've had, I, I had a triple bypass, right? And I think about, I think about your, your journey um, in talking about um, the church that you went to. And there's a guy, I've actually had asked him to come on the show. He's, he has, he's been telling me he's really busy. His name is uh, Milton Mills. Uh, he's a doctor. I've heard of him. I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watch all this stuff all the time. And uh, we actually talk some time on Facebook. I'm still trying to get him on the show, but um so uh, he also grew up a uh, seven-day Adventist, uh, mm -hmm. seven-day Adventist. And so, you know, th those churches are traditionally uh, vegetarian. I don't think they're yeah. vegan. I think they're traditionally vegetarian. Yeah. And so, um, but they, but he advocates for the Daniel Fast and all that kind of stuff. And he's a doctor, medical doctor, who's, you know, working in the more Western medicine world, but trying to incorporate this holistic lifestyle with, with his patients because he believes in the prevention, right? So let's, let's do the prevention type of thing. Um, you know, do you find it difficult when you talk to people and say, you know, okay, I got these migraines and, and you know, maybe you just need some teas or you need to cleanse your mind or you need some, whatever it is, you, you find that, that, that difficult to convince people to, to embrace this whole more holistic lifestyle because of our indoctrination into Western medicine. And everything. I do. Um, I think they're a little bit more resistant to it. It's like something that's a little unknown or different. So they, they're like a little bit more hesitant to try it or they're like, Ooh, what is that? Or they think it's like, there's some sort of like evil or uh, negative connotation to it. Um, I think sometimes. And so they do have that resistance, but what I do, I just give them the information. I just lay it out flatly for them. I try to be as thorough as I can. Um, when people come to me or if I'm advising somebody about things and I'm like, these are the things that you can do. And I just lay it out plain in black and white. And then it's up to them to decide what feels right to them. And I'm just here to answer questions. I'm here for support. Um, and just to be that resource for them, but I can't make those decisions for them. Like they have to do what they're comfortable with. And a lot of times I'll see where I have maybe have planted a seed a long time ago and it doesn't come back until, you know, a year, sometimes two years later where somebody is, you know, kind of remembering or going back to or revisiting something that we had talked about before. Um, but, I think if I tried to push it on them from the beginning, like they maybe never would have gotten there on their own. So I try to just take a little bit of a hands-off approach is just providing the information, being a resource for you, also leading by example. I try to share a lot of um, my practices and what I do like on my social media, like with my herbal practice, like I've kind of made it fun where I'll post on my Instagram story, like I'll have a picture of my mortar pestle and I'll say, can you guess what herbs I have? Or I'll have the herbs in a jar and I'll say, can you guess which ones I use today? So it's just like little um, nuggets and little droplets of, of information and kind of showing what I do and showing the lifestyle. And I think it's attractive for a lot of people and they have the curiosity about it, but they're not always like ready to fully jump in and do it for themselves. Um, and so I, I'm just here for whenever you're ready to do it. Um, you know, I, I try not to frustrate myself and like get myself all upset over other people's decisions and their, uh, you know, sometimes refusal or resistance to make changes that I know would positively benefit them. Um, even if I know that if you cut out meat and dairy, that you're going to have a, 
major uh, improvement in your overall feelings of well-being and in your health. I, I can only tell you that. I can't necessarily force you to do it, um, but I can just plant that seed and then it's up to you to cultivate it and take the information and, and do what you want with it. Yeah. Uh, so talk to us about some of the some of the information that's out there, right? You mentioned documentaries that you did research on. What If somebody's, somebody's watching this and they're interested in, in embracing this, what documentaries would you, or books would you recommend that they Ooh, some really good ones. So, um, Veducation Over Medication by Dr. Bobby Price was a really, really great book um, that I was introduced to after I was already kind of um, going vegan, uh, but he kind of lays it out for you. He was a traditional pharmacist. His doctorate is in pharmacy, and he was working in the medical industry. Um, as a pharmacist pre prescribing medications, and he actually cured his own um, chronic high blood pressure that he had, even as a healthy uh, athletic uh, male, um, where he was taking high blood pressure pills for, I think, several years of his life. And he basically challenged himself to go vegan, which he said was for vanity reasons, but ended up seeing like a, a miraculous turnaround in his own health. And from then he abandoned his career as a pharmacist and he went and traveled the world and studied with different herbalists and shamans and healers and has been on this journey uh, living a holistic lifestyle. And he com combined a lot of information in this book, not only what he learned from studying um, with different healers and different herbalists from around the world, but he also applied his, um, his science and his like traditional medical know-how and knowledge and like laid it all out in the book, um, the benefits of living the holistic lifestyle. So that's definitely number one. So Vegetation Over Medication by Dr. Bobby Price. Another one that I really loved, um, it's kind of geared towards uh, black women. It's called By Any Greens Necessary by Tracy McCorker. Um, she kind of ties it all back into our, the cultural aspects of it and what it kind of means for us as, as people of color, as black people and um, our unique upbringing and certain things that are kind of woven into our culture that other people wouldn't really understand. She kind of breaks that down for us and talks about one of her biggest influences was uh, Brother Dick Gregory, who is another influential person that kind of was one of the pioneers with um, living a natural lifestyle and incorporating um, plant-based eating into your everyday life. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Tierra Goes Green. So that's the name of her brand. Uh, she has a holistic lifestyle brand where she makes um, skincare and body products, as well as a full line of um, vegan supplements. Um, she has some online webinars on her website that are very informative. Um, she's been a vegan for, I think, at least... I think she said since maybe 2006 or 2007. So she has a lot of um, experience living the lifestyle. Another one is Chef Aki. She focuses a lot on alkaline um, living and wild and electric foods. And if I had to round out one more, I think with the food aspect, it would be um, Janae Clyborne. And she wrote Sweet Potato Soul, which is a vegan um soul food cookbook mm. did i spell that right vegetation over medication vegetation so v-e-g-u-c-a-t-i-o-n okay i just want to put this up there for v-e-g-u can i send you in the chat i'll send you in the chat okay uh yeah that way i'll get it right <laughs> um documentaries i know you're kind of typing documentaries uh, documentaries, uh, What the Health, definitely. Um, Forks Over Knives was another great one. Uh, I watched Reveducated. That one's a little graphic. It's a little sad. They really tap into like the, um, the animal rights aspects of veganism. Sometimes those are like a little tough to watch. They're, you know, they, they, they really kind of push the envelope. But I think... What was the name of that one? About the... 
ones that were very health focused, I would say um, forks over knives, what the health. And then the third one would be the invisible vegan, which was geared towards um, black vegans. And it, it focused around interviewing people of color um, that are actively living the lifestyle and what it's been like for us with our unique experiences. Yeah. Uh, was Is that the one you told me about at the restaurant there? I think so, yes. And that one's available for free, I think, um, on YouTube, uh, The Invisible Vegan. It's it's very good, very well done. Mm. Um, I want to put these up on the screen. I wrote them down. Bye. Yeah, I will. Um, let me put the other ones in there too. Uh, I... So I watched. Uh, I watch all of those. What the health? Forks over knives. Mm -hmm. Also, game changers. You know, because a lot of times people think you can't be big, strong athletes, right? For cops, for firefighters, for corrections officers, for paramedics military personnel, they don't think that they can do it unless they're, <laughs> you know, down in the big, big slabs of beef and, and cows and stuff, you know, so. Yeah, that one I've heard great things about, but I have never um, had a chance to watch it yet myself. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, that one would be better for, for males because they don't think that they, um, they don't think that they can again, be big and strong, um, you know, because of, because of the indoctrination that they have done a really great job with us on, you know, so. Definitely. Another, yeah. um, I would say influencer, since you brought up uh, vegan males and like athleticism and feeling like you still have your strength, his, um, his, uh, Instagram handle is called Badass Vegan. Uh, his name's John Lewis, but he's a vegan athlete, weightlifter, um, just all around activist. Um, he kind of caters to that male perspective too, um, of, of still being able to be a um, really healthy athlete while living a plant-based lifestyle. So I'd, I'd throw him in there too. And he has a documentary. I believe it's in the works. I don't know if it's fully been released. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet or if it's fully available. But it's called um, They're Trying to Kill Us. So that's another one. And I know he talks a lot about I did look for I don't think that I think that we talked about that. We and did. I look for it. I don't think it's I don't think it's ready yet. I don't think it is either. Um, but yeah. that's definitely something to keep on our radar um, for whenever it is fully released. Um he talks a lot about the food justice and uh, food deserts and um, kind of the crisis that's within inner city living and yeah. growing up in black neighborhoods or in neighborhoods that are impoverished in many of the major cities and how there's no access to clean, healthy food. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. All right. So, uh, uh, I thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really had a great time uh, talking to you. If you want to push your website or or tell us, you know, those of us who are in the Connecticut area where you can find you at, um, or even tell us, you know, if they're if somebody's listening in, I don't know, Indiana, you know, how they can start their own, you know, holistic lifestyle type of thing. Awesome. Thank you again for having me as well. I really enjoyed uh, this conversation. Also, um, so my website is www.fruitfulascensionwellness.com. I know it is a little long. I will spell it out. <laughs> www.fruitful, F-R-U-I-T-F-U-L, Ascension, A-S-C-E-N-S-I-O-N, wellness.com. Um, so it'll give you a little bit of background about me and about who I am, but it'll also um, have the full catalog of my drink offerings and my drink options of flavors that are already available and curated and ready to go. Um, if you're local to Connecticut, you can place your orders directly through the website um, and leave your contact information. And then I contact you to um, facilitate uh, your delivery or your pickup. And if you are living somewhere else in uh, the world or in the country, 
um, I would say start small. Start by um, even with just one meal. I tell people breakfast is the easiest one to like make that change on. Um, eating fruit for breakfast is like one of the biggest game changers, I think, for a lot of people. Um, you know, when you first wake up in the morning, your body is 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 not only waking up physically, like, and you um, kind of coming in that, to a mental space to start your day, but your digestive system just came off of a period of rest while you were sleeping. Um, and so just that simple habit of not eating heavy foods to break your fast, which is essentially what, um, you know, your sleep is doing is, is you are fasting, your, your body is in a state of fasting when you're asleep. Um, instead of that bagel in the morning or that piece of toast, like grab a piece of fruit, grab a banana, grab a uh, a pear, an apple, some oranges, uh, start your day with a smoothie. Um, that's another great way to like incorporate even your supplements. Um, some people don't like taking supplements in your pill form, open them right up and throw them in your smoothie. Um, and replacing that first meal of the day with something liquid or something that's easily digestible is um, one of my number one uh, pieces of advice that I give people that are looking to eventually change their lifestyle or eliminate meat. I say start with one meal a day, um, then eventually move to maybe one day a week, like meatless Mondays. I know that's picked up a lot of traction um, across the board with everybody, but um, it is a great way to start where um, you know, one day a week, you're not having, you're not having meat. And that's for every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, it's a great way to experiment with different recipes and try different things out, um, cooking in your kitchen and, and experimenting with maybe one new vegetable per week or trying something that you've never tried before or, um, using you like utilizing the internet, you know, a lot of things on the internet are demonized, but, um, it can also be a great tool um, for exploration and um, being able to tap into certain people that are already living the lifestyle. I'd say find some good um, vegan bloggers and try one of their recipes. Find one that cooks the kind of food that um, you like. I mean, even the pictures alone will make you salivate. Pick one and try it. Um, and I think sometimes that's you know, what holds people back is like, they have this like little bit of fear that can be paralyzing and they, they just get, they just stay stuck. But if you just start with one meal, um, one day a week or, um, one time or finding one, one blog or one person to follow, um, to try things out. Um, and, and it can, it can become really fun and you'll, you'll kind of feel challenged to continue to keep going and seeing what works for you and what doesn't. Very good. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and uh, I'll let you go. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having you. me. This was really awesome. And I love what you're doing and uh, continue to continue to influence and inspire. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to do the best I can. All right. Okay. Take care.